0: Welcome to The Gamer's Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan.
1: Hello. You you thought maybe a Mario Brothers trailer would would delay us more than a week, but no, we're going to talk about it. It did not fall off the news,
0: Jocelyn. (laughs) Oh, we are going to talk about it. I'm actually pretty excited to talk about it, honestly.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the final one. If you don't watch TV, mind you, because then they'll have like 60, 30 second clips, all new footage, and you can kind of piece the movie together from there. But uh, yeah, the final trailer.
0: Yeah, very, very exciting times. Uh, But before we get into all of that, we are going to talk about what we're playing. So what have you been up to in the last week and a bit?
1: Yes. So I am uh, slowly catching up on uh, birthday stuff that I got. Uh, and I, I got a I got a couple Switch games, so I did get the new Pokemon. Uh, I got Pokemon Scarlet, and I got uh, Bayonetta three. Um, but those have kind of gone on the back burner as I also got a uh, Steam Deck dock, uh, but not the official one. I got a I got a. I wanted to make sure I, I mentioned what it was. It's a it's by Ivoler. So like the Steam Deck doc which is the it's like this little I'm, i want to say it if i do it too quick i'll, I'll mess it up i know i will because it's it's all too similar I am,
0: I am so 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 looking forward to you putting an eye in there by accident it's, it's, gonna it's gonna happen
1: there's two opportunities every time i say yeah. it so um anyways <laughs> So I got an eyeballer uh, uh, dock and uh, it is a so this is the thing. The Steam Deck dock is like a hundred and twenty dollars Canadian. It's very expensive. And essentially what it is, it's like this little stand and uh, you set the Steam Deck into it and then there's this little cord that comes up around the back and you plug in the top. The Steam Deck has one USB-C port and that's where you plug it in. That's how you charge it. But that's what you would plug it in if you were to try to hook it up to a TV. Okay. And the idea behind a dock is essentially to make it a, a simple process of hooking it up to your TV. That being said, you can use any USB-C adapter you want. You want to make sure that there is like a power delivery option there so that you can charge it while you're playing because the battery will die quick. Uh so you want to <laughs> be charging it while you're while you're playing. So there are a lot of options out there and a lot of companies have jumped on, you know, to to make docks that are Essentially doing the same thing, but less expensive, like I said. The official one's 120 bucks. And I opted for this Ivoler one, which I think we got for about 50 to 60 dollars. And this is obviously all Canadian. Right. Um and uh this was also the one I think Crofton picked up, so and he said it worked quite well. So like I was already using like a very elaborate uh adapter with an HDMI cord going across the living room onto the onto the desk and then like plugging it in via the just the outlet to the side. So it was a very much like a bunch of wires hanging around. And um, I think Ashley was more than happy to <laughs> get a dock to clean up the living room just a little bit <laughs> uh, less cables running around. So I did end up getting this one and I've been using it pretty much exclusively for the last you know couple of weeks while playing games on the Steam Deck. And, uh, I gotta say it works, uh, it works really well. Like being able to have this thing connected to the TV, um, makes it like a, like a more uh, console like experience because you turn it on. I was going to say,
0: this is starting to sound very (laughs) switch-esque.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like as much as I've really been enjoying it, bringing up the switch brings up that like really, it's a natural comparison, but here's the thing, like the switch and The way it works with its dock from back in 2017 when it first launched was nearly like this perfect implementation of the dock, right? You slide the switch on like into the, into the dock and it works. It just, it instantly connects over Mm -hmm. the TV. There's no like fumbling of cables. It just, it is crazy how well it works. And this is like six year old technology, if not longer, because it's, it's been in development for, for a while But then you look at the way that the Steam Deck is implemented, the the uh, USB-C is on the top. So any dock you put it into is really just a stand and you have this like weird cable that kind of arches up around the back of the, the Steam Deck and then plugs in on top. It is not elegant at all. It is very like, you know, it is very just like we need to get this thing connected type thing. Like there was no there was no process put into place with the Steam Deck. To make it like the Switch, Um, it really felt like maybe they it was maybe not an afterthought, but it wasn't like as important to them as with the Switch was, which Nintendo was like, we need to make sure that anybody can quickly put this into a a dock and not fumble with it. Like that would have been Mm -hmm. a huge failing on the on the Switch's part if that had not worked in that way.
0: I wonder if that's because like if you think of I'm thinking of like my Xbox controllers and like if you're thinking of like holding your Steam Deck and then plugging it in, like my Xbox controller has the plug on the top as well, so that the cable comes like out of the top and stays out of the way, right? So I'm thinking that was probably their primary design, right? Is that they wanted it to be more like a controller and that docking is like secondary, whereas the switch is is the opposite, right? Like docking is the whole kind of gimmick of the system, right, is is being able to go from that console experience to a portable experience as easily as possible. So I think maybe it's just like a different focus between Nintendo and Steam where like one's meant to be mostly portable, one's meant to be a seamless transition.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think that pretty much uh, is the reasoning here. Like I think when you when you look at a Steam Deck and you're using it, you're more likely because it has such a low battery life, depending on what game you're playing, you're going to want to plug it in when you're playing a more intensive game. You're still playing portable, but you have a little cord coming out the top to,
0: to keep it charged. <laughs> portable adjacent. <laughs> exactly.
1: Adjacent to uh, an outlet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, but with the dock, like it's, I'm not saying like, you know, oh, it's, it's such a burden to have to like plug it in at the top. Like, no, it's, it, it works. And really the hardest part about a dock is just making sure all your stuff is plugged in, uh, that one time in the back. And then you just set the, you know, the steam deck in and then you plug the little cord into the top. And, you know, it works just like the switch where if your TV is on and you have, let's say you have the the steam deck on as well, and you, you set it in the cradle there and then you plug it in. The screen shuts off on the Steam Deck and then you're it's up on the TV like it is seamless. It works quite well in that regard. It's just not as it's not as um, easy to use as a as switch is. Now, that being said, I would think that a Steam Deck 2 would probably look at like, how can we develop how can we look at the docked as like more like of a simpler process? But. Steam Deck is also like probably three or four times as heavy as a Switch. Like it, it is beefy, right? So yeah. So <laughs> that also implements it, it causes some issues with like an easy docking mode, and you know you don't you don't want to ruin either the dock, the connector, or the Steam Deck. So I think this is, was kind of the best they could do. Um, but that all being said, I've really enjoyed the experience of having this thing up on the TV because, you know, I, I just happened to have the PC on in the living room and I was playing a game and I alt tabbed out and I think it was a video driver issue, but like the screen just went garbled, like the game must've been crashing or something. And this was on the PC and I couldn't get it. I couldn't do anything. I had to get up and I had to restart the computer, but like, honestly, like it's that kind of stuff that I tried that I'm trying to avoid by playing with the steam deck. And honestly, time I've played the steam deck, it's been, it's been a really good experience. Like some games will crash, of course, like it's going to happen when you're emulating, you know, windows on Linux, but it just, it, it's closer to that console experience that I'm looking for. I don't need to make sure that my driver's up to date or if, is windows going to close everything down and be like, Hey, we're going to update now, even though, you know, you're using the computer. <laughs> uh you know it's it, it just it just works which is really nice mm-hmm. um and i mean if you have a steam deck like don't feel like you have to go out and buy the official one um you certainly can if if you want to have that official dock but honestly like i think these non-official ones are just they're just C adapters but they're in the form of like a cradle slash dock.
0: It doesn't sound like there's there's like any sort of propi- proprietary tech that makes the official version better than a third party.
1: Exactly. No, there isn't. And and you know, Steam has said or Valve had said that they all the work they did into developing the Steam Deck dock, the official one, was really from a software standpoint to make sure that any USB-C device works well with the Steam Deck and the software in the Steam Deck supports, you know, these varying amounts of, of, of peripherals. So like I've, and this is the thing, I've not done much more with the dock outside of just having it plugged into the TV. Like there's um, I think the one I got has like an ethernet port and a couple USB ports and um maybe, well, that, I think that's about it, but like it's similar to the official one. Like if you really want to get serious, you can, you can put, like, you know, keyboard and mice to it. You hook up a wireless uh, mouse if you wanted to. Like, you could use it as, as like, a, a replacement for a computer as well and have your, your keyboard and mouse hooked up. But really, all I've done is... Um, well, I did pick up a new game to to actually test out with the uh, with the dog. I mean, not new, but, like, they had new DLC come out. And I, I know we've talked about Dead Cells before, which is the... In my mind, it might not be the original, but it was, like, the first... Roguelite that kind of came out that I think a lot of people latched onto is being like really, really good. And um I enjoyed it as well, but they just launched new DLC for it, which was the Return to Castlevania. Uh, which pretty much seems to be the only thing Konami's doing with Castlevania these days. But uh <laughs> it is um I never had much experience with the Dead Cells DLC, so I wasn't sure what I was getting into because I I'm, I'm not very far in the main game. But I quickly realized that uh this DLC specifically like kind of guides you towards the Castlevania content, uh, which has its own sort of like um path towards the boss, I guess. Cause that's I, I never really realized it before. I hadn't played enough Dead Cells before this, but uh I guess there was like there's branching paths you can take depending on how you exit certain levels and and which upgrades you have. But I <laughs> I was pretty much starting fresh. So if you haven't played dead cells like you can run right into return to Castlevania and and get pretty far uh, without without the extra power ups. And, you know, I'm not a not a huge Castlevania person. Like, I don't know much, but I do know, like some of their more iconic, you know, music and characters and stuff. And and they they pull all of that in into this DLC. And I think they do a they do a really good job at capturing it. And uh, to the point where it's like, it's like, well, if this is all we get from Castlevania that is just like additional content and spinoffs, like I'm kind of fine with that because like it it is really well done Um, and they bring in all the weapons and stuff like you can get like a like a sword slash whip that like you can hit the usually you have two weapons in your in your inventory like you have like a two slots, you have like a, a melee and a ranged. Well, in this case, you have like one weapon and in in the melee it's the weapon and then in the in the ranged it's like the ability to switch the the modes of the weapon so it's uh it's really cool um having a great time with that one and like i said the music especially that first level it's like everyone knows like that castlevania 2 uh song even if they hadn't played castlevania it's been around <laughs> enough like it's the konami code it's that sort of thing that's kind of like permeated outside of the game it's it's really connected mm-hmm. with people so um And I just it immediately brings me back to when I was a kid, again, not playing Castlevania, but listening to this. uh, I don't know if other people know this, but like there's this it's like a cover band. It's called The Advantage. And all they would do is like cover like NES songs. And they had like two albums. and I listened to them on repeat. And one of them was like that Castlevania (laughs) track. So, again, Haven't played a lot of Castlevania
0: nostalgia, even though you haven't played the game. Exactly.
1: Just based on the music. Like I, I would honestly like sit there in that intro level, which is like the castle outskirts. You're not even into the castle, which is, (laughs) you know, the vania of, of, of the Castlevania. I don't know. What are you going to call it? But, but I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I could just sit here at the entrance to this level and just listen to this music on repeat. It's amazing so good and uh i'll be like w- r- walking around the house and i'll be like singing it out loud which and the kids w- would hate it and ashley obviously would hate it as well but just like i'm not going to do it here because obviously that would be um it would be bad but uh you know annoying my kids you're uh, no going to get
0: so many requests through discord that are like we need that soundbite right yeah, i'll just i'll just <laughs> drop the album
1: i need to find it i was listening to it <laughs> i was listening to the album cuz i hadn't listened to it in, like 20 years and i had it on, on in the kitchen and <laughs> Ashley comes down, I was like, what are you listening to? And it's like, you know, old video My game
0: childhood, music. childhood, Ashley! Yeah,
1: exactly. That's how I should have responded, but I, I just immediately apologized and turned it off. Um, because, you know, old NES music is, if you're not into the tunes, it sounds like noise.
0: Yes, uh, it does.
1: And then if you add on to that, it's a cover with like heavy punk or I wouldn't even call it metal, but it's like heavy electronic I don't, I don't do music, but it's like, it's heavy music, right? So you take any <laughs> yeah. covers and ugh, it's just, it's noise. It's essentially noise if you're not into it. So uh, I will fully admit that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at Dead Cells, uh, but I'm glad I picked up this DLC because it's been, it's been really cool to, to play Castlevania finally. Uh, even though it's not Castlevania, it's Dead Cells, but it's <laughs> uh it's a really well done. Um, I don't know. Would you call it a, would you call reimagining? It yeah, that's probably better <laughs> reimagining. They did work with Konami. Like it wasn't like they, um, like, it's not like it's, it it's in reference to like, it's legit. Like Castlevania, they, they pull in the levels, the references, the weapons, the enemies, the bosses. Like, um, I mean, I, I recognize, you know, Dracula and Alucard and, and some of the, from the Netflix series. And then I also recognize like, um, I think it's, richter belmont from uh from smash brothers (laughs) none of it's from castlevania proper (laughs) it's all from other stuff so you know that'll be the next thing is people be like well we need to get ryan to play castlevania and then i'll say well we need to get konami to make more castlevania games really is what it comes down to
0: (laughs) i mean next game club maybe
1: maybe maybe uh like i know there's probably like that one castlevania that everyone will tell you you have to have played but um I know they've re-released them recently, I think. So maybe, maybe the next game club. It would be fun to do a retro game club. I think that, would you consider like Portal a, a retro game club?
0: I don't know. I mean, at this point, I feel like Portal's pretty retro. Mm. I mean, not like retro retro, but it's like, I mean, it's not new. <laughs>
1: that's true. It is not new. And <laughs> Valve has not does not have any interest in making another one. So maybe that's what it comes down to. But uh yeah, like uh, that would be fun. That would be really. I it would be really cool to do another retro one. Um, something a little older than, than uh, like a uh, sequels coming out or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I again like I hadn't played Dead Cells in years, so it was like kind of nice to get back to it because like that game just has these really tight controls and plays really well on the Steam Deck. And honestly, to be able to say, oh, I have you know ten minutes, I'll just boot up the Steam Deck real quick, or I have an evening. So I'm going to like plug it into the TV and just, you know, do a couple runs. And I and I, I actually got to the final boss in the DLC, which I was pretty impressed with because I'm usually very terrible at um, <laughs> at roguelites. <laughs> so I actually got to the what I guess would be considered the ending uh, of of like that path. So, yeah, slowly but sure. Maybe I'll beat this DLC before I ever beat a Castlevania game. Maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, it
0: sounds like (laughs) it sounds like it. Yeah, it's probably a
1: safe bet. Probably a safe bet.
0: (laughs) Well, I was poking around a little bit more in Coral Island, uh, which I know I've been talking about for the last few weeks. Um, And so I have officially now hit spots where there's the content's not finished. So, yeah, which which is like. It's fine. I mean, I I played it for well. Actually, sometimes I leave my computer on when I walk away from it, and Matt gets really mad. But uh, so I don't actually know what my time played is. But I would say I've probably played like somewhere between twenty and thirty hours of it. Like I I did really enjoy it. Um, and so like I, but I did definitely start to hit spots where like it was generic NPC names and like literally says like NPC dialogue goes here. <laughs> so like there there are um gaps in the content like the the game is definitely not complete but the content like moving up to those kind of milestones is complete so like once you start to get to the point where you're hitting unnamed npcs and stuff like that like that's basically where like you're at the edge of the game (laughs) sort of thing Um, but there is still a lot of content there to play and i was really really enjoying it and then the more i kind of got thinking about it like as i was sitting there with like doing my farm and cleaning up the island and and kind of, like, getting to know the townspeople and stuff, I'm like, you know what? I never finished Graveyard Keeper. And it is, like, the same, except for, like, there's obviously, like, the gothic kind of weird themes in Graveyard Keeper that Coral Island has a totally different vibe. But, like, I loved Graveyard Keeper. And so I tried to start up my save again, and. I had no idea what the fuck was going on i was like i think i was like on day 124 or something in my original save and i loaded in and i looked at like the quest which the it just basically shows you a townspeople page and it's like underneath each person it tells you what it is that they want and i'm like i know that these are words I know what those words mean individually, but together, I have no idea what this person wants. Like, it's very vague. It's not like, you know, World of Warcraft questing, where it's like, here's a list of 100 things that you need to do, and there's a completion next to each of them, and make sure you do all... No, it's just like, you need to find something that makes you more attractive to the singer. (laughs) Like, okay, (laughs) okay. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so I ended up starting a whole new save because I was like, I need to start this from the beginning because I don't know what I'm doing, and so now I'm on day like fifty or sixty something I think, and it is so much fun. Like, and and speaking of like completion of games and stuff like that, like it it is an already complete game. There's DLC which I haven't bought and played yet because I haven't finished the main game, but um, yeah, there's so much to do in there and it's so much fun. I'm really glad that. Coral Island like gave me the itch that I needed to scratch, and Graveyard Keeper is helping me scratch that itch. So I know it's like stuff I've talked about before, but like I don't know why I'm just so in the mood for that right now. Well, I think
1: it comes down to like there's something about these like management games, um, these farming style games where you're just I don't know. It just it feels like even though there is like a literally there is a, a ticking clock in the background, but it is just like the day being over it's not the end of the world or or someone's invading your 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 ocean or your graveyard what it's just whatever it happens to be whatever game you're playing (laughs) um but yeah there's something about it that's relaxing and i think it's always what uh what has intrigued me about these games is that you kind of get what you put into it but even though if you just if you're just playing every once in a while like it's still enjoyable something about starting those games especially the very beginning that's what I really love is like the first few hours where it's just you're just learning the, the easy intro mechanics and just it's so relaxing. Yeah, and
0: literally all you need to do is farm a little bit and make some money to start like unlocking the rest of the tech and stuff. But at the beginning, when you only know how to do like two things, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, it is very is so relaxing. nice. <laughs> yeah, then you yeah. get in and
1: you have to like remember how to it's similar to um half of of keeper which I talked about a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. where like when you start a new run it is very much that feeling of like man I just have to like dig a little bit find some <laughs> some minerals maybe they'll be the ones I need maybe they won't but it doesn't matter cuz all the early upgrades are like one or two of each mineral it's not a big deal and the waves that are coming later like of enemies not that big a deal to deal with so it's just it's relaxed obviously that one's a roguelite and like the further you get the more stressful it gets and then when it yeah. resets you do have that feeling of like ah i was so close and then now i'm back to the beginning where whereas like i think with coral island and i've not, i've not played graveyard keeper although i've i've heard good things it's a similar fashion where you know you're not resetting but the further you play the more there is for you to engage with and then that can oh get god a yeah like it
0: it does uh, like, and that's why I, I found it so difficult to jump back into my old save because my old save was like two years old, and I was like, I didn't think I'd taken this much time away. But like you jump back in, and there's um, I think six or seven different tech trees. There's like some integration between them. Like you need some things from like the cleric in order to be able to progress the story with like the merchant. And so You can't just kind of like focus on one specific thing necessarily. And so it does that kind of interwoven web of Dorian tech uh, very quickly gets like not out of hand, but very complicated. And like, yeah, so that's why I decided to just start with a total brand new playthroughs. I'm like, I know I've done all this before, but I'm like, I can't for the life of me remember like even like where stuff is like you need sand to make glass, which is like. Not a spoiler, because that's how it works in every single game where you're crafting glass. You need sand. Makes sense. And I was like, I don't even remember where to get sand. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna start over completely because I like it does t- it does a pretty good job of like introducing things to you pretty um, pretty slowly, and it doesn't get too out of hand too quickly. So uh, yeah. But by by the point that I'm at now, things are things are getting really complicated to the point where like. I would finish playing one day and then I pick it up the next day and I was like, okay, wait, I knew there was like three things I was working on. What were they? Oh my God. <laughs> and graveyard keeper has that like day of the week thing. So like one NPC is only available one day per week and it kind of rotates through those seven, six or seven days. And uh, yeah, so like there is that, but I think it's also the reason like other than the like relaxing while also being, like, mentally stimulating, because you do have to keep track of all these different, like, interconnected um, wants and needs of these characters and these interconnected tech trees. But it's also, like, has the ability to, like, be bite-sized. Like, I, you can basically, like... So it's very similar to Coral Island, where the only time you can save is when you sleep at night. So you have to play, like, a whole day. But at the same time, that whole day might take... 10 minutes maybe and so like you can basically play in like 10 minute snippets (laughs) so and you can also like go to bed at three o'clock in the afternoon if you have to walk away (laughs) you know like there's no like you have to do this you have to do that and so I find that like it's very easy for me to just play a little bit walk away play a little more come back to it later you know and I think that's also really appealing to me right now because, like, I haven't been feeling all that great. So the ability to just be like, and eh, pause <laughs> and, like, not have that, like, PvP pressure because a lot of the other stuff I play is, like, either with friends or PvP. And then there's, like, the added, like, stress of other people, whether they're your opponents or whether they're on your team. Like, you're letting someone down if you just walk away. And there's none of that in Coral Island a Graveyard Keeper. Like, it's just solo and it's these little bite-sized chunks that I can just, like, get up and walk away, and it's not a big deal. So, I think that's why these games are appealing to me, like, right now. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to doing some some new stuff soon. Uh, they just... <laughs> and I know, Ryan, you're going to laugh at me so much, because I do this every single time. But there's a new expansion for Sims 4 that just came out.
1: It's a while. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> isn't there always an expansion coming out for Sims 4? I mean...
0: Often, definitely, often. very often. um, but yeah, so the new expansion for Sims four just came out last week, so I am gonna play some of that before the next show. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's gonna be really fun. but, um, yeah, <laughs> that just came out. so again, more more Sims four stuff. and they have announced a Sims five, but, oh man, I just I always get sucked into Sims, and then I'm like, oh right, but I'm so disappointed in four. <laughs> wait i mean sims 4 has been out for like a gajillion years at this point so yeah i need to just like accept it get over it hope and hope 5 is better but they get me every time with every freaking expansion i'm like oh that's new (laughs) i should give it another try so i'm giving it another try but that'll be for next week (laughs) do they have
1: like a sims plus or something where you can just subscribe to it to check out all the no no
0: Of course not. (laughs) They do let you make a bundle, so you can craft your own bundle from everything that they have to offer. So you can buy, because they have like different levels of DLC. So there's like the expansions, which are basically the cost of a new game. I think they're like 70 bucks or something like that. Then they have, um, I can't remember what their middle one is. It doesn't matter. And then the lowest one is like a stuff pack. And that's usually just like, some furniture and some clothing or like it's not new game mechanics and then so there's like three different types of of dlc for sims and so you can build a bundle for 60 dollars, i think which is an expansion one of the middle ones and a stuff pack so you end up saving 40 or 50 bucks i think if you build your own bundle so but there's definitely no like pay this and you get everything price because that would be insane because there's like 50 things you can pay for in the Sims now. Cause again, it's been out for a gajillion years.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, just looking at, so uh, I've, I've been looking at EA play pro. I'm going to, I'm going to probably subscribe to it to play both um, Jedi survivor. That's out at the end of April. And then also catch up on the dead space remake that that came out in January, um, which works out to be, I think it's about $20 for the month. Now it says here, like you can get Sims for EA play, pro edition which is sims 4 plus the get to work expansion and the toddler stuff pack so like that's not all of it there's way more i know oh god no more. that's
0: yeah. yeah there's like i, I like non sarcastically i'm fairly certain they're up to somewhere between 12 and 15 expansions at this point like right. the the big like the 70 dollar big expansions so yeah okay. <laughs> probably a reason
1: I, <laughs> I think I've told the story of why, I, like I played Sims way back in the day and then hadn't gone back to it. And I just, I'm not, I'm not very good at the game. I, I end up uh, forgetting there's a, like I need to put a door on something and then, you
0: know. <laughs> And then your Sims die and then you're sad.
1: Exactly. Or like the oven suddenly, like I burn dinner <laughs> on a, uh, in the real life, but you, you'd think like, oh, in a video game must, no, nope. that extends to the video game. And then of course, in the video game, the house burns down, which is uh, yep. never good. You
0: just need to buy a smoke detector. They're like 30 in-game dollars.
1: That's true. And I do have a smoke detector at home. <laughs> it's not
0: rocket science. It works wonders. <laughs> uh,
1: so... Yeah, you know, it lets me know. Like, I was like, "Oh, love dinner's you done." Just,
0: like, yeah, you burned your dinner one time in The Sims. It burned your house down because you didn't have a smoke detector, and you were just like, "Well, this game is dumb, and I'm finished forever." <laughs> well, no, the
1: game's not dumb. I I fully respect The Sims. I'm just not good at it, you know, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, and and as you said, like I think it also comes down to the business model of like. So many expansions and so much content and it gets a bit overwhelming. But I, I know many folks that really enjoy Sims. So,
0: yeah, I feel like there are as many expansions for Sims as there are for Hearthstone. Like, I feel like I see a new expansion announcement for the Sims at least twice a year, if not three times a year, which is it's quite a lot um and i mean like it's this it's actually cheaper i think than hearthstone hearthstone's getting really expensive that's a whole other conversation and we do have a lot more to talk about today but yeah so i I will be talking about the next uh sims expansion next week because of course i will um but yeah before we move into the news though we did want to have a chat about the last of us because uh season one is over and uh i'm really looking forward to talking to you ryan because like you've played the game. I haven't played the game. So (laughs) I feel like this is going to be two kind of interesting perspectives in this conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's it's crazy how long we've been waiting for this show to arrive. And then now it's over. And I think in the news, they're saying like, oh, season two, which has been greenlit. um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and really early on, because they got the go ahead in January. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was very early. And and they said that, um, they're saying season two will likely be two, two years, like end of 2024, maybe early 2025. So like more of a Witcher sort of, um, schedule, right?
0: Yeah. Which I feel like that's kind of the, the expectation for a lot of these shows that have, you know, pretty big budget. Like I would put like, um, House of the Dragon and like Rings of Power and stuff like that on that same. It's like they have big budgets. They have, you know, a lot of different like set pieces and places they need to to actually shoot and, and lots of CG and stuff like these are big productions. It's not, you know, like how I met your mother filming in an apartment, you know, so yeah. I'm I'm not surprised that there's a little bit of like a longer wait period between seasons. Uh, but they also said that they're not going to do... So this, season one, and, and we are going to talk spoilers, guys. So if you haven't seen Last of Us and you're interested or you're trying to avoid spoilers, then probably fast forward like 15 minutes. But or, Well, Ryan will put the timestamps in the show notes because Ryan's awesome. But um, anyways, uh, we are going to talk spoilers. So this season one was the entirety of the first game, right?
1: Yes, yep.
0: And then season two is going to be part of The Last of Us 2. So it's not going to be, um, like, we're not going to get the whole second game in one second season. They're splitting it up. Whether that's into two seasons or more, we don't really know yet. Um, But I I thought that was an interesting point to kind of start off on because you've played both the games. So, like, maybe without spoilers, like, content-wise... The first game versus the second game, like, do you see why they potentially made that decision to split the second game up, but not the first? Because for me, as someone who didn't play the game, I kind of felt like season one was a little rushed, I guess. (laughs) Like, it seemed like every single episode was like, and now we're in a new place, and we're in a new place again, and we're in a new place, and now we're moving. And, uh, like, months and months were missed <laughs> in between every episode as they didn't show us the, like, traveling part, right? Or the majority of the traveling. Yeah. So do you understand, like, the, the choice, I guess, to make season one equal the first game and then season two equal only part of the second game?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, part one... For The Last of Us, like the first Last of Us game, it's very much a, a linear uh, journey. Like you you have this quest to go from point A to point B and the journey is all the, all the crap that happens alongside it. And the show takes moments from the game. Uh, some moments are cut entirely because in the show, because you don't have to focus on gameplay, you can focus on just storytelling. You can cut entire sections that are just... You moving through, you know, areas of infected, you know, which in the game makes sense because it's gameplay. Yeah. You want to have fun. You have
0: something you need to have something to do.
1: Exactly. You're not just watching a a, a, a nine hour cutscene. So, um, this isn't, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a movie. The, the game isn't a movie as much as people make fun of the of the game for for being a, a kind of a, a so good a story. And eh, so, so gameplay, at least the first one. Um, so the first one's a very linear journey and having it as one season uh, makes sense because it does feel rushed. But when you, when you kind of look at some of the episodes and what they're laying down, um, this is 20 years into the apocalypse. Uh, There are a lot of quiet patches, a lot of uninhabitable areas because the world has. a
0: Yeah. Most people are. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. So um, that's where part one and the equal season one works really well. But for part two, it's, um, it's less of a linear journey. It's a dueling sort of, uh, storylines I'll say. And, uh, there's just, there's more going on than just, we need to get from point A to point B. Mm. Um, there is certainly like reasons for characters to travel and, and, you know, both from a gameplay and a story perspective. But like, as I've seen in some of the interviews, they say like part two's gameplay Features more heavily in telling and experiencing the story, whereas like with The Last of Us Part One, they could kind of just take the beats from the cutscenes and apply them and adapt them for a show, and they did a very good job adapting them from from a gameplay perspective. But Part Two, I think, is a tougher. It's a tougher one, you know. Like, there's definitely a story you can tell there, but you're gonna have to find a way to like arrange it so that it makes sense as a television show because part of Part Two was like. You know, uh, part of the experience was like, I, I, I can't believe we're we're playing that I can't believe the developers are making me play this I have to play this to proceed like I have to, that that will tra that won't translate very well to to tell it'll be interesting to see how they how they translate they'll be able to tell a story for sure. But mm-hmm. like, they're gonna have a tougher time adapting the gameplay heavy moments, which are very much intertwined with the story.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting cuz like one thing that I did notice as somebody who hadn't played the game is that like it didn't seem like there were a lot of zombies in the zombie show. Like yeah. there were some really pivotal moments like you've got like the the first episode when the the infection is first and the outbreak is first starting and then you've got um when they're trying to escape from is it Kansas city yeah. and all the zombies come out of the ground, which was pretty cool. Um, And then you've kind of got, so. Oh, and then I guess there was also a scene, I think in the museum.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: The, like those, I thought they were really good uses of the infected, the zombies, whatever. Um, But outside of that, I felt like there was a lot of time that they spent out in the world where the infected just weren't a, a thing. Like, um, I remember there were a couple of scenes of, like, people walking and talking or hunting and, like, you know, a, a gun would go off when they were hunting and they didn't seem to care about the sound and, like, attracting something. And I was like, any other, like, zombie apocalypse? And I know it, like, it was a little bit hard to remember that so much time had passed that it was, like, 20 years later sort of deal. And especially when you're dealing with like a fungus, like maybe most of them just like died. I don't know. But like it just seemed like it wasn't this like constant present danger necessarily. And then so for me, it took me like out of the apocalypse a little bit, you know, (laughs) like I kind of thought that like there wasn't so much danger in the in-between places. And I guess that's probably why they didn't show us very much travel cuz a lot of it is just like empty. But I was kind of like, "Man, where I get where I get why there aren't a lot of people. That makes sense. But like where are all the zombies?"
1: <laughs> yeah, like they kind of they go into Details a little bit on, you know, how long an infected would last and and how this sort of uh, process works both in the game and in the show. And they do a really they do a decent job of explaining it in the sense that, like, you know, the virus when infecting a human will will only last as long as the host will will last. And if you look at some of those areas in the show that are quieter, um, it's usually related to like uh, like quieter infection wise it's like it's an open area there's not a lot of people around and and like the the theory has always been especially from the walking dead side is like the more thinned out you know humanity gets like the less infected will be there because they don't have anything to to live off of yeah you know and um and i and i think the walking dead has taken a way long longer time to get to the point of like, look, the dead are decaying because they're you yeah. Know, and oh, this one's fresh but and that's rare. And it's like, yeah, it took you <laughs> 10 seasons to get there. Whereas in the last of us, they, they start right off the bat. So that's why there's a lot of infected just outside Boston and underneath Kansas city, because there are still people being infected. And, um, and, and, you know, you could also make the point of like, it's a, t- it's, it's very expensive to, to have these, very heavy infected scenes and but then when they use them, they're very impactful.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Like, like I say, the fact that I could remember the infected scenes from the series like off the top of my head means they were very impactful. By the way, I thought that kid in the car was CG, but it was actually this like gymnast and I was yeah. like that is that the fact that there are people that move like that gives me actual nightmares.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a, a lot of the infected stuff it's all so there's this um I know it's a, a bit of a faux pas to recommend a podcast on a podcast, but like there is a <laughs> <laughs> there's a companion podcast um from HBO for the last of us and there are nine episodes out, so after each episode on HBO, they would drop this podcast and it's hosted by Troy Baker, who's the original Joel. And, uh, it has, uh, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, the executive producers of the show. And they just basically break down each episode. And it was really fascinating because they, they talk about their, their reasons for how they changed the adaptation. There was a lot of like, you know, because this is done in hindsight, like you have the creator of the video game working on the show and then another creator who's helping him with the, or who's working on the show with him is kind of saying, well, what if we did this? And it's like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's such a great, you know, like, screw you, man. That's such a great idea. I wish we had that when we made the game type thing. And and they're able to like, they, you go into more detail about how they adapted it. Now, a lot of the infected, if not all of them, were all like practical effects, you know?
0: Yeah, we're, we're people. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. And they did. They actually did a lot of practical effects because a lot of people also thought the giraffe was CG, yeah. and it wasn't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah they uh, they took up. This is the thing. Like this is the reason the show took so long. Like when, when you when they kind of get into details of like how they filmed it in Calgary, uh, a lot of it was all filmed on location in and around Calgary, and they did it over. They shot for a year. Like these folks mm-hmm. moved to Calgary for a year, and uh, they actually spent a month. Working with that giraffe because they had to get the giraffe comfortable with the actors and the change of environment because it's all blue screen, right? Yeah, which is not a natural uh, habitat for a <laughs> giraffe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys knew that at home, um, but uh, yeah, it was. It's really, really cool. And honestly, when I watched it, of like that. That just looks so real it must be cG but no it's a it's a real <laughs> I love
0: that we now default to that looks so real it must be fake
1: <laughs> yeah I <laughs> instead mean instead
0: of it looks so real it must be real <laughs> yeah well I
1: mean if um you know George Lucas was right like everything's gonna be c g and we're not gonna know the difference like he was just ahead of his time right but uh, <laughs> but no i i I think they did. Like, and that's why I'm not too worried about waiting two years. Cause I think also part two is going to be way harder to adapt. And, um, I'm, I'm happy for them to take their time, you know, for, for developing it and casting. And there's, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of new characters that they introduce. And, and this is the other cool thing about adapting a game that came out 10 years ago and the sequel's already out as of the, the, you know, the show coming, they're able to sort of include, Stuff that wasn't in the first game, but is directly included in the second one, like uh, mm. Jackson City, like the the city where, um, you know, Joel's brother. Uh, and yeah, yep. uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I want to say Tony, but that's not his name, is it? It's not Tony. What's his name? Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Tommy. I was close, I guess, but uh, yeah. it, it felt wrong, though. There's not Tony. <laughs> Could you imagine Joel and Tony? <laughs> like, what a weird... Anyways, so yeah, Tommy's uh, City of Jackson, like that was not that was not in the first game. It's it's referenced. You see it in like at the very end of the game, you see it uh, on the horizon uh, as the game is ending, but you don't go to Jackson. They'd they'd planned it all out, but they never got a chance to make it in the first one. But obviously the second one features it it heavily uh, at the beginning. So it was really cool for them to include, you know, that stuff in in this first season, which makes sense because like. You know, could you imagine if they just skipped over the city because, you know, they they didn't have a time or budget like it, it was integral to the to the to the to the HBO season. So um, that there's stuff like that, too, where they use they use part two stuff in the first season as if it was
0: meant to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So that was really nice to see, too. But um, but yeah, they didn't uh, in terms of the story in the show and in the game, they don't change a whole lot of those beats like a lot of the stuff that happens is is right from right from the game and if not like just improved upon instead of change for no reason like they've really mm. they change things based on like well how do we make this make more sense you know
0: there were there were two episodes speaking of changes there were mm-hmm. two episodes in particular that i felt like well i i so i, I kind of want to preface this by saying i think last of us was pretty good yeah. um i enjoyed it but um, there were two episodes in particular that really, like, pulled me out of the flow of the show. And I felt like the the show was moving, like, so fast anyway that I felt it really difficult to, like, truly connect with characters outside of Joel and Ellie. Because, obviously, we saw Joel and Ellie every week. They're the main characters. But, like I said, when we first started talking about this, it really felt like... Um, every week we were in a different location. So it's like I didn't really get to get a whole lot of, like, backstory for a lot of characters to even, like, make decisions necessarily about, like, who was good or bad and, like, motivations and why. Like, I felt like the the characters were so black and white because it's like, we have 45 minutes to introduce this character, they're going to deal with this character, and they're going to move on. So, like, I mean, it was very much like okay, so the ones that overthrew Fedra, she's real mad about her brother, so she's bad. Uh, okay, so this guy eats people. He's bad. You know, like there wasn't a whole lot of like background or nuance a lot of the time for the characters for me. And then all of a sudden we had these two episodes. I think it was episode three and then episode like maybe like seven. Uh, it was the the one specifically about um, the, the prepper uh, that, you know, ended up, saving the guy and then they became a couple and that was a great beautiful story and then there was a story about ellie in the mall with her friend um like when which was like the how ellie got bit story but like they happened at the point in time where it's like we had just lost um oh god what what's what was her name Joel's like girlfriend, not girlfriend. Tess. Yeah, we just lost Tess. And then uh, we, you know, Joel got what we thought could potentially, if you don't know what, if you haven't played the game, could potentially be fatally injured, you know, like, and then all of a sudden it was like hard breaks and let's do this like flashback story. And I was just like, oh, for me, it really derailed things. (laughs) And then I really got to know these characters like Ellie's friend whose name I can't remember. And then the the gay couple whose name i can't remember (laughs) but like we we got to know them and we got the deepest backstory out of any characters for those three and then they're never in the show again (laughs) like why would you do that (laughs) so i was curious how you felt about those two episodes specifically because they seemed like crazy weird departures at like really important times <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. well and i think for so i'll start with the riley episode because that one is uh that one is kind of is is adapting the dlc that came out after part one had sort of released
0: uh, okay i literally said to matt i was like i don't understand why they didn't like film these episodes because they were fine and then just make them like one-offs that they give us later. And the fact that that one is DLC makes so much sense because I'm like, they could just release them in between the two seasons and like give us some background. That would be so cool. But I was like, but instead, they're smack dab in the middle of season one where, to me, it felt like they didn't belong. So it's interesting that at least that one episode is DLC. Yeah.
1: Well, I think the reasoning that they include the Left Behind episode in between uh, Joel being stabbed and not stabbed healed <laughs> some would say <laughs> um is as i think to kind of like help explain why ellie sticks around because again you're in the apocalypse if you get stabbed like you know most of the time if you're out in the open and there's no one around to help you that can be a mortal wound although if you just get to a hospital or someone who knew how to uh, how to help you would it would be fine um and it's uh I think that's kind of the moment where they kind of use that left behind DLC to kind of in in that episode in between those two moments was to kind of like illustrate Ellie sticking around and and helping Joel because Joel says, like, just go back to, you know, Tommy, leave me here. It's not a far ride. You can make it there in a day. You'll be fine. And and I think there's that a bit of that battle where she's like, oh, I I think I'll go. or No, I'll I'll actually stay and 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 help you here. And I think it, it comes from the fact that she is just deathly afraid of being alone and she finally feels like she wants to you know stay with joel and joel just gets stabbed and is like well how can i i need to save him basically
0: i think i already had that feeling going into that episode like i didn't need an explanation as to why ellie would stay necessarily and it's it was a cool background story and like you know finding out or i guess like she ends up talking about it later on um, about how, like, she ended up having to be the one to, like, kill her friend. And, you know, her friend basically died and became infected. And she didn't. And, you know, that experience, like, they didn't show it. But, like, that is definitely, like, very interesting character development for Ellie. But I didn't need it at that point in time, I guess. Like, I was already on board with the, like, pseudo dad-daughter thing that they had going on. And I was like... I wouldn't leave my dad to die. Mm-hmm. So, like, why would Ellie? Like, I was, I was totally on board with that story beat. I didn't need a, a side episode uh, to go back in time and explain to me why Ellie wasn't running away. Like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, those two episodes I could have done without. But like, and I know not every single episode has to like relate directly to the plot of the show or anything like that. I just like, for me, not knowing where the show was going. I got a little bit annoyed with those episodes because I was like, this isn't the stuff that I care about. And I think that like if those episodes had ended differently, like if the guy, well, I mean, if all three of those characters hadn't died and that they were people we were going to run into later, I'd be a lot more forgiving. But it was just like, these are just total one-off characters we're never going to see again. (laughs) Like they're all dead now. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like I think I would be a little bit more forgiving if they continued on into the larger plot you know like i don't mind an aside or a you know a, a memory going down memory lane or an explainer i don't mind those things in tv but they were a little jarring because all the characters were never going to come back right
1: yeah and i think the the reason they include them and and this was um in the video game like they don't a lot of the other characters, Bill and Frank. That episode, which was Bill and
0: Frank. To- thank you. I was like, I thought one of them was Frank, but I couldn't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I remembered Bill, and I had, and I did look it up just to make sure I okay. remembered. So it's Bill and Frank, and and that episode is is awesome because, like, not only as you said, it's a beautiful story, but it also showcases like a com- the complete apocalypse for for these mm-hmm. two characters and their relationship and their love story and and how they met to to how they died and. But I think those those two episodes that we talked we're talking about like they're there I think to enhance like uh, the characters that are sticking around like Bill and Frank clearly had an impact on Joel and Tess and um, and yeah you don't get the interaction between Bill and Frank and uh, Joel and Ellie like you do in the video game you never meet Frank in the video game he is he's passed away off screen um, but there's a huge gameplay section where you're, you're basically running through a, an old high school with Bill looking for supplies and, and, um, defeating, you know, infected. But again, like that doesn't translate well to, to this TV show. So what they decide to do is they decide to tell Bill and Frank's love story. And I thought like that was, that's something the show did really well is they took characters that in the game are in it for a little bit and have, you know, most of their interesting story told, you know, off screen, uh, or in the case of the game, like, uh, specifically the Kansas city stuff, like they rip that, you know, them driving through Kansas city and then crashing into like a laundromat and, and having a shootout that's right out of the video game. Um, but then that whole section, the video game just turns to good versus evil. Like Joel and Ellie need to escape the city that is filled with evil people. And, um, there's no explanation other than, Oh, you know, they took over, you know, they took over for Fedra and they're running it. You know, it, it, they want to, they want to kill everybody that comes in there. But in the show, like they, they do put some more nuance to those characters. They're, they're just not evil. They're, but they are doing bad things, of course. Like, but it's not as, uh, it's not as, you know, binary one or zero.
0: Honestly, like, I think it's because like Walking Dead has almost spoiled me a little bit. Like, the amount of character you basically have a seasonal enemy in Walking Dead, right? Like, so the amount of ca- of like character development and background and stuff that you get on these, like, enemy factions in Walking Dead is so much, sometimes very much to the show's detriment. like, I get it. Um, and it felt like every episode of Last of Us almost could have been a Walking Dead season. Do you know what I mean? Like they could have spent a season in Kansas City. We could have gotten to know them a whole lot more. They could have spent, like, a season in Boston. <laughs> they could have sent like a season in like all of these places with the cannibal guys because like each of those different like locations had different bad guys with different motivations and different like social structures and different things that had happened to them over 20 years. Like I just I feel like there's so much universe that was missed in this in this season. Um, and and again, like I, I think that. That's coming from an outside lens of not knowing, like, how the video game progressed. And I can see this being a video game story because I wouldn't want all of that additional background, at least not in, like, um, quests. Like, that's the kind of stuff that could be, like, you know, newspapers that you pick up or audio clips or, you know, like, those kind of background things in the game. Um, But, yeah, I just I feel like um, it moved on pretty quickly and it's probably because of other pieces of media that i'm used to in the like kind of zombie genre (laughs) which basically for me is walking dead
1: (laughs) yeah no yeah i mean you're right like but then that also goes to the point of like walking dead likes to meander you know they would spend a whole season in kansas city and you'd be furious by episode six you know like I, I get it
0: but i i think maybe there's a happy medium there where we could have spent like two or three episodes you know like an introductory episode uh like heightening of the tensions and then you know like the big finale you know instead of you know one episode here one episode there um but i mean overall like i said as i prefaced all of these comments i do think last of us was entertaining i think it was good tv um i i enjoyed the journey um and i know that like we can't move on from this conversation without talking about the finale i
1: was just gonna say we (laughs) have to talk about the ending
0: (laughs) yeah uh and i mean like i know so (laughs) i think that the internet has big feelings about this they do whereas like (laughs) speaking of like things being black and white like i kind of watched that and went yep that makes sense that that is a normal response (laughs) yeah which, like, maybe makes me a monster. Like, I'm a little worried now because apparently there was an entire debate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Every, uh, so when the game first launched, obviously there was a lot of discussion about the ending, and the ending being Joel, um, Yeah, massacres
0: the fireflies. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Joel like goes, um he 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 just he takes out the whole hospital uh to rescue Ellie, who he finds out is has to be killed in order through this procedure to to discover a cure.
0: Which I found I found that conversation between Joel and Oh crap, her name is like Marlene. (laughs) Um I found that conversation fucking infuriating when she was like you know what ellie would want and we didn't tell her because we didn't want to scare her uh don't worry we've got a doctor it's like okay hang up whoa huh. i have questions <laughs> i have thoughts because honestly you have a doctor in an apocalypse if i want somebody cutting open my brain then it's gonna be a fucking brain surgeon <laughs> not the last guy who happens to be left who for all we know was a Oh, what's the word for the guys that work on feet?
1: (laughs) Uh, Podiatrist? Is that
0: it? Podiatrist! Podiatrist, that's it. (laughs) I was going to say pediatrician. I'm like, no, that's kids. I want the feet because that's very far from the brain. Like, He's not a, a specialist in fungi. He's not a brain surgeon that we know of. He's just a dude that thinks that maybe he's got a theory. Like, even if you aren't like... A father figure to Ellie, even if you're Marlene, like just killing the only person who exists on Earth that is Ellie. Like, this is a bad plan from the get-go. Like, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. did you have time? Do you even have the the materials? Did you like an MRI? How do you know you're not going to open her brain and it's some special version of the fungus and it just goes poof into dust? And then you've ruined everything. Like, oh, my God. It made me so mad.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the game... um. The game's ending, which is 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 very is very much the same. You know, Ellie. uh, Well, we have. She's. It's in the brain. She's going to be killed through the procedure, but we'll have a cure. And Joel uh, obviously disagrees with that and and rescues Ellie. But like, well, yeah,
0: because there's still, like I said, there's no guarantee it's even going to be a cure, or that this one random doctor who is, I think, one of only like two we saw in the show. Yeah. Like, I, there was one in Boston, right?
1: Right. Yes. And But other yeah. than
0: that, like, I, I don't even remember them having one in Kansas. Like, the doctors are not a dime a dozen. So are it's they... like the likelihood of him being knowledgeable enough to perform brain surgery, even killing the subject, like even just being able to open a brain and get something useful out of it, and then also turn that into a cure. Like, those are two very different specialties. Very, very wildly different specialties. And if it's just in the time it took Joel to wake up, there's no way they did enough like research and tests and everything else on Ellie to even know this was possible. Like I was so angry. And yeah. then when they were like escorting him out with guns and like, we're just gonna do it. I'm like, yeah, I would have blown the place up too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I agree with you. I think that the ending obviously, like, you know, the conversation comes down to was Joel right or not to do what he did and and basically how. A lot of the conversation boils down to is like, you know, it's either you save your daughter or you save humanity. And I mean, a lot of the evidence stacks up against the fact that this was may have led to a cure, but was not going to save bring humanity back to where it was like, you know, humanity was already learning to live with the infection. And you saw examples of of working communities like Jackson that are that are doing just fine. Obviously a lot of bad examples of communities not doing great, uh, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like it, it it comes down to like the best arguments I've seen. And there's been better arguments now as opposed to the game, because I think the show does a really good job at like explaining a lot more about, you know, what this cure, well, the cure is, is not the blood. So it's not like a simple, like here's some of my blood transfusion. You're good. It really has a lot to do with the brain and the way that the cordyceps will. Infect the body. Um, but like they actually explain in the show like why she's immune. And it's the idea of like, oh, she was she was being born as her mother was bit. And there was like this th- this immunity that is, that is put in, which is a real, you know, a real thing, you know, like um you can. Give a vaccine to a mother and then that can be passed along right yes.
0: to the you baby. can pass immunities to their baby. Yeah. Absolutely. So
1: like they use that logic to kind of imply why Ellie is is uh immune. But like the idea of them being like, Yeah, we finally find someone who's immune and you know our solution is to kill her to get the cure. It's like, well, that doesn't seem like and there's no rush. Like it's not like humanity's yeah. going well, anywhere. Is the other
0: thing. It's like they were like rushing her into surgery yeah. without telling her, which I'm sorry, but consent is a really big thing. So, like, informed consent in medical procedures, specifically. <laughs> but, like you've got the that whole consent piece. But then also, it's like exactly what's the rush? You've been going through this for twenty freaking years. How about everyone comes to the table and we have a discussion about what this actually means and what we're going to do once we e- if we're even able to isolate these the fungus in Ellie's brain? like, and how many brain surgeries can you do? Like, there's brain surgeries all the time when the, the people don't just die. So, like, maybe you'd be like, hey, okay, now we have this plan. How about we put out some feelers? Let's talk to some people and see if we can find an actual brain surgeon. <laughs> or, like, I don't know, do some research. Like, yeah. I just, oh, my God, I was so angry with how that conversation went. <laughs> well, the, the show
1: sets up, a the show and the game sets up a lot of examples as to why the Fireflies are really just, they're not great. Like not only are yeah. they bad people, but they're just bad at what they're trying to do. <laughs> they you know, been, are.
0: They're so incompetent. <laughs> they've been trying to
1: overthrow Fedra for 20 years. And they even at this <laughs> at the start of the season, it's like we are we are losing this battle. Like we're not a rebellion because we haven't we haven't done anything yet. Whereas Kansas City shows Fedra being overthrown in the matter of a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um and, and it just it goes-I think you're right. Like it's very short-sighted on the fireflies part to be like, we got the cure and very full of themselves. Immediately
0: let's murder it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to cure everybody through this procedure. And I think, you know, um, in the game, like they kind like, they do a lot of hand waving away at the end of the game to be, to kind of make the decision to make the conversation again, like I said, more about what Joel did. Was it right or wrong? But like when you think about it a lot more, it's like, of course he was right to do it because (laughs) like you said, consent is very is very important. And they did and they even double down on that in in the in the show where they clearly say, like, we didn't ask her, like we're just gonna kill her. And it's like, you guys
0: are monsters. We didn't want to scare her. I was like, what? (laughs) No. And like, I don't know. I just I find it like so bizarre that the 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 solution and I I understand like the I guess kind of Larger moral question that they were very like ham fistedly trying to get at, which is you know like the needs of the many versus the needs of the few, and you know like kill one person to save humanity. But it's like, in my opinion, they didn't do enough to prove that killing Ellie was actually going to save humanity and give a cure and everything else. Like they just it was too big of a leap for me that like for me to think that they <laughs> they couldn't just wait. And was Joel's reaction extreme? Like, absolutely. But did they push him down that path? Absolutely. Like, they're like, we're currently killing Ellie. And even, like I say, even if you take their relationship off the table and if you just say, like, we are killing the cure, the person, the carrier, we are killing the carrier and we're leading you out at gunpoint. Like, I would do the same thing regardless of my relationship because it's like, if Ellie is the only hope... That humanity has of ever finding a cure for this thing. Maybe we just don't fucking rush it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like such a bizarre situation. And, like, I did not understand Marlene and the Fireflies and, and their, like, thinking and motivation. Like, it just, mm. it was so infuriating and wild to me. <laughs> what
1: I think it comes down, like, I don't fault the the show or the creative at all. I think, like, they they are they it's a character like the fireflies are a character oh, yeah no
0: no i'm not saying it was poorly yeah. written or anything like that i'm no. just saying those people are
1: dumb but but it's a very typical there there is always that group like in the walking yeah. dead like in any other zombie film like this this group always exists in in the storytelling and the sto- this the group is like this group that wants to save humanity that's their journey and they'll and by any everything. means necessary yeah. you know and yeah. um they've been failing for 20 years and um <laughs> You know, it, it can't be overstated how how bad they are. Like they say, uh, she says, "I had five people protecting me to travel across the country, and they're all dead." Whereas Joel does it uh, by himself with yeah, with, with Ellie. I mean, I Tess mean, he did get away, stabbed.
0: Yeah, he did get Tess stabbed. Dies and he did get stabbed. Yeah, but so it was <laughs> he made it. though.
1: <laughs> he did pretty good. He didn't lose five people. He lost yeah. one and he got stabbed. But um I think it's 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 a character in the story. These fireflies are, are a character in the story, and and. The typical Hollywood ending would be, hey, we found the cure and humanity survived. But like the real ending is like, no, the Fireflyers are idiots and uh, <laughs> we are we are going to save Ellie and humanity will continue to to exist because we have been we've for 20 we're not thriving by. any yeah, means, but, but existing uh, Mortal Kombat 2 still exists in some capacity at that mall yep. in Boston. So <laughs> there's hope so for us all. Things
0: are OK. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to get so many comments. (laughs) No, no, I think a
1: lot of a lot of people agree with this. The the Fireflies are I think the show really painted them further into a corner of how like kind of stupid they are, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I am looking forward to season two, even if we've got to wait a couple of years for it. Um, I, I will say, though, like I don't feel like I need to play the game at all. (laughs) like i'm i'm kind of fine just watching the show which is funny that the witcher had the total opposite effect on me and maybe it's because like now that i've seen the story of last of us and like a lot of people were very much like i guess championing last of us as a really good story and i'm like well now i know the story so i don't really need to you know stealth my way through zombies like i (laughs) I'm kind of OK with that, yeah. that gameplay, whereas like Witcher was like the opposite is like I know that world was so big and there was so much to it that after I watched that show, I was like, well, I absolutely need to go and play this game. Um, So I kind of found it was interesting that Last of Us, even though it was a good show, had the opposite effect. But uh, yeah, I am looking forward to season two. So yeah, a couple of years from now, but I'm sure it'll be good, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it as a as a player of the video games. And and I honestly, you're going to have folks suggest you play the game. But um, I would think like for me, my recommendation is like if you feel a need to know what's happening after part one, you could jump right into part two. Like I think. that Yeah, uh, that's
0: that's the thing I might do just because just from your like kind of explanation about why they would want to separate it or do it in more than one season and how kind of complex that story is. I think that uh, there might be some merit to playing part two and mm-hmm. then seeing what the what the show does with that material um, but yeah, I feel like um, I can probably skip part one and I, I wouldn't really be missing out on on too, too much, um, yeah. but, which I think is is just like a, a credit to the show. I think that they did a really good adaptation from the sounds because so my husband, Matt, has has played the same or has played both part one and part two. Um, and he had basically the same sort of comments as you is that like there were certain things that he recognized, like ripped straight from the game. And, you know, they hit all the major Locations and plot points and everything else. He said they did a really good uh, job adapting it, so that probably means I just don't need to play it. But I might start. I might try part two. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, if part one, you know, is part of PlayStation Plus or something, and you, uh, down the road you get a chance to play it, like I, I think right now well, I already own it. it. <laughs> well, you, I would highly recommend waiting for, until there's a sale <laughs> on the remake. I wouldn't play the remaster of uh, mm. because they take a lot of the gameplay that is. Uh, that makes the gameplay more fun in part two and apply it to part one. Like it's, uh, it's a okay. more enjoyable experience, I'll say. So from a gameplay perspective, the story is still going to make you very uh, <laughs> sad, I guess, or angry and feel a lot of emotions. <laughs> we'll say it so. Um, That's fair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, if you guys enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support Ryan and I like our March patron Captain Purple did. Thank you so much for supporting the gamers in also a reminder that we do run a game club. Uh, we don't have anything in store for our next game club, but you can make suggestions over uh, in the game club text channel. Uh, you guys did finish Fallen Order. That was, uh, I think, last week it finished up. So uh, all of those discussions do remain there. If you guys are a little bit behind, you can join the conversation. Or you can, uh, like I said, put your suggestions into the Game Club channel. Um, We've got a couple of news stories for you this week, as we alluded to earlier. There is a final Mario Brothers movie trailer. Uh, Ryan, what did you think about this one?
1: Well... Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, the kids obviously are very excited to see the Mario movie and, um, we both very much enjoyed, uh, we all very much enjoyed the trailer and we're probably going to go see it in theaters uh, around opening. Um, but yeah, like, I think this trailer showcases, uh, more of, uh, more of the characters, more of the different characters. Like you see Donkey Kong, he's no longer like an enemy. He's a, he's an ally and, mm-hmm. um. I really loved, uh, so the thing I noticed right away was I really love how they've been adapting the way Mario moves in the games to the way Mario moves in the movie. Like when he, you know, jumps on the Koopa, he d- he has the little jump, which isn't like a nat- mm-hmm. wouldn't be a natural way to jump on something. You wouldn't like make that pose, but they do in the movie because <laughs> they do in the video game because it's the same animation every time you, you jump, yep. whether you're hitting a block or not. Uh, So they do a very good job of that. And and again, like, I think these trailers are doing a good job of like, I don't know whether it's the movie or it's just a reaction to the to to the Internet's reaction to Chris Pratt, but they're kind of moving Chris Pratt and his voice into the background and showcasing. Oh, my God.
0: Okay, I did want to talk about that because that is the number one thing that I noticed about this trailer is like, I don't know if all of Mario's lines are just like one or two words or if this is like a a conscious effort on nintendo's part to move him into the background but like i don't think he said more than two words at a time in this whole entire trailer they very much focused on a whole bunch of other things like i i really loved this trailer and i think it does make me kind of um kind of excited for the movie like i am still i i really think i'm gonna hate mario but I mean, in this trailer, they showed us, like, some some Mario Kart scenes. They showed us, like, oh, my God, the Rosalina's little spark character with Luigi at the beginning was so freaking well done. Like, I loved that scene. So, I mean, like, there's, I think, a lot of fun to be had here, but I definitely noticed that it was, like, this is the Mario Brothers movie. Just pretend Mario's not here. <laughs> like Bowser said, way more in this trailer than Mario did. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: and again, like I think that uh, Mario's going to play a, a really big role in the film because he is trying to save his brother. But I think they've, 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 uh, they've given—they're
0: not marketing it based on him anymore.
1: <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, they're ba- they're marketing it on on the ensemble. Like you've got Donkey Kong, you've got Peach, you've got toad you have bowser luigi and um i appreciate that because i think like that's the right way to go because mario is not like he's not he's not the greatest character in a video game like he doesn't Mm -hmm. have much to say and he really is he's just there for you to be controlling something
0: you can be in the game yeah yeah exactly
1: so it makes sense that they're doing that but mind you if we go see it and it's like oh no wait it was just a way to like put chris pratt in the background and I have no problem with Chris Pratt's voice as Mario. I've, I've come around on it; it's fine. Uh, but I understand it, it is—it's still a—it is still a problem for some folks, and and that is that is cool too. You know, it's it's definitely not my first choice for sure.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but I think these trailers have done a really good job at showcasing
0: everything else. Yeah, and we've only
1: seen like ten minutes of the the film. Like we were, um, the kids and I were watching. Just pulling up trailers and we're like, oh, let's see what's out there. And now because we're close to the film, there's a lot of like extra footage that kind of gets mm-hmm. dropped here and there. And people have like started to edit together like the TV clips and the trailers. And oh, I was God. like, oh, <laughs> we're getting to this point now where they're like starting to stitch everything together. I got to going to have to stay away from trailers and such. But like it is it is interesting the story that they're telling here, which is essentially, you know, not only is Bowser trying to take over the Mushroom Kingdom, but he has Luigi. So we got to save the Mushroom Kingdom and Luigi, right? So, mm-hmm. and uh, Luigi's awesome. So, hopefully, Luigi uh, survives this one. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, we do have other Nintendo news this week as well. It's Nintendo is saying that it won't necessarily adopt seventy dollars for its future video game titles after Zelda. So, um, Zelda is. The seventy-dollar uh, American price point, mm-hmm. um, which is ten dollars higher than their existing properties, which is basically exactly the same than what happened with the last Zelda. It was sixty dollars, which was ten dollars more than Nintendo offerings at the time. So basically, they've said um, they look at their pricing on a game for game basis. But I mean, that only lasts for so long, right? Like eventually, Nintendo games will just be seventy dollars. Um, but it's it is kind of like it's kind of interesting because they are a little bit behind um in terms of game pricing for their like big first party stuff versus you know like the xboxes and playstations and well pcs of the world right um nintendo games still are a little bit cheaper but they are also a little bit smaller in a lot of cases so i mean like i'm sure that within a year we'll have nintendo games are 70 dollars period But um, yeah, for this in-between period, anyways, they're evaluating them on a case-by-case basis. But yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that they're raising prices. I mean, if anything, it's surprising that they're raising prices at this point in their console cycle, right? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, yeah, uh, well, for my personal experience with Tears of the Kingdom is, um, is that I'm buying the collector's edition, so it's already way more expensive than it should be. yeah. Uh, And then I I
0: know that we're I know that we're running out of time, but um, man, that is probably a conversation for another day because I'm really curious to know why you made that decision. Because for me, I looked at that collector's edition. I was like, there is nothing in here. Well,
1: I'm glad we don't have time because uh, I cannot explain why. So there you go.
0: Uh, Okay, perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, you know, uh, if we had the time, you'd ask, well, what do you even know what's in it? And I'm like, yeah no my guy the game and
0: <laughs> uh they put collector's edition on the box therefore i had to buy it that's enough but, of a <laughs> long story short i get it
1: <laughs> i knew the stock was going to be limited i've pre-ordered it am i going to cancel that pre-order probably not but like yeah it's, uh, <laughs> i try not to buy collector's editions these days but you know i think um i think the fact that nintendo is looking at increasing their prices and testing it out with with zelda i think is what what we're seeing here and Uh, In terms of catch up like they are eventually going to catch up to the current generations of consoles by releasing a new system the switch will not last forever. And when that new system arrives, it will likely carry $70 games like that. Yeah, that is what's going to happen and um, tears of the kingdom is probably going to be an immense game. And if Nintendo looked at any of their products and said, how, where can we justify an increased price? This is the one like I can't think of another Nintendo title that would fit like it's it's just hard to to fathom. I know eventually we'll spend $70 on Mario and Pikmin and all that fun stuff. But I was going to say,
0: yeah, all of their main flagship characters are going to get their $70 games and whatever their next iteration is like the next Pokemon, the next just the next everything is going to be $70 on Nintendo. But um, yeah, I mean, they can use this case by case excuse for as long as they want. But realistically, like we know this is coming and I'm not surprised that Zelda is the first one to to get the $70 treatment out of Nintendo. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get some some cheap games for (laughs) the next couple of months. But I like this is the way things are going, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Well, that is going to do it for us this week. If you guys want to continue the conversation, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI discord. Reminder, we need suggestions for the next game club. So make sure that you get in there. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. That's where our show notes are. If you guys are looking for timestamps from this episode, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at the Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at the Gamers In. remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.